Sisters. Good morning, my Pope. <laughs> I'm Jamel Zanishef. I'm here with my uh, California Homebrew of the Year, John Police uh, Brewing Buddy. Uh, We're brew buddies. Yeah. yeah, yeah my yeah. buddy. Does my a hanky panky. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, you know what? Somebody posted uh, in the forum, I guess the new BYO is out, and I don't know if we mentioned this before, but I am the style profile columnist for uh, Brew Your Own Magazine now. You didn't give me a chance to, you know, compliment you on that, but there you go. Did well you, done. Did you read it, or you, you just I saw, saw it, my I saw your pretty face. And, and that's like, all you needed. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, so I'll be doing that, uh, at least for the near future, until they decide that I'm not doing a good enough job, and then they'll get rid of me. <laughs> Have you ever been fired, Jamil? Uh, You've been trying to get fired, but right, something yeah. else. No, no. If for some reason, you know, people just won't fire me. I don't know what's going on. Well, when you brew every style, I'm sure you can write a good column in a magazine. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. it's uh yeah it's it's actually kind of fun, and it and it forces me to be uh, very on top of things. For example, um, I guess it's okay if I mention this. Yeah. Uh, one of the upcoming uh, issues is uh, Schwartz beer. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know Schwartz beer quite well. Right. I've drank a lot of Schwartz beer. I've tried you know every variety, and when I come across one, I stop everything and I and I try it. Right. I brewed a bunch. I've experimented with the recipes, and I know it fairly well. And here, I was trying to um, really evaluate the the various types of Schwartz beer, mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> I ended up having to order in you know fresh from Germany. The different kinds of Schwartz beer you can get in Germany. <laughs> oh darn! Plus, uh, you know, some some examples from here. Plus my homebrew examples, right? And have them all side by side, you know, so I could really because over time you, you you know maybe you're traveling through Germany, you don't end up ordering two different Schwartz beers because very few places have them, right? And so you'll have one one day, and a couple days later you'll have a, a different one. And so you don't have them side by side. And then when you get home, you have your homebrew one. Right. You're not drinking them side by side. If you're not drinking them side by side, there's no way you can really get a real true comparison. It's very difficult. Right. So once you have them side by side, then you can say, oh, okay, truly the difference between this one and that one is this and the levels of, you know, so I had to go through all that just in order to write this, this one article. Wow. And a lot of research. Know, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a fun research, but. Yeah, you know, you're drinking, man. Yeah, it, it you know <laughs> costs some money and it takes some time. And sure. I kept, you know, I kept holding off on sending the article in because I was like, oh man, I really need to make sure I'm accurately describing down to the, you know, the 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 words I choose to describe this have to be exact, sure, in order to really convey, you know, what it is. And uh, you know, that's the challenge. Yeah, and you're doing that every two months. 
Uh, every issue, whatever, whenever it comes out. It comes out every two months initially, and then during the summer, or whenever brewing season picks up, they go monthly. Oh, nice. So it's like eight issues a year, I think. Cool. So brew your own uh, magazine. You go to brewyourown.com or byo.com, I think, and cool. uh, check out the magazine, get a free issue and all that stuff. Plus, you've written other articles in there, too. You've done, like, specials on yeast and haven't you? Or? Uh, I do this for Zymergy. Oh, there you and go. And that's, uh, that's a benefit of uh, becoming a member of the AHA, huh. the American Homebrewers Association, which there's a lot of benefits, you know, discounts at pubs, um, as well as, uh, you know, it's a, a representation in uh, government for, you know, brewers and home brewers alike. Well, they so, protect our freedom to brew. <laughs> exactly. So that's it's a, pretty important. Well worth uh, becoming a member. But you get enough membership perks that easily pay for membership. You know, sure. the pub discount program and uh, the AHA rallies. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, February 24th, AHA rally up at uh, Sierra Chico, Nevada. Sierra Nevada. If you're a member, you get in free. If you're not a member. You become a member. You become a member at the door. You know, thirty something bucks, and you get a free, you know, free food, free beer, all sorts of prizes and stuff. Plus, you get a discount entering nationals. Right, that's huge. Too. Yeah, it saves saves you a ton of money uh, on that. So uh, you can go to beertown.org and uh, find out how to be an AHA member there, or I think you can buy them online at uh, uh, Beer Beer More Beer. Yeah, more Beer right? sells them More More Beer dot com, yeah. and you be a you can buy BYO magazine there. You can become an AHA member and get the Zymergy magazine. Yeah, I've done a lot of. Our articles for Zymergy, yeah. uh, and I got a great one coming up uh, in this uh, next issue. It is on um, everything you want to know about starters. Nice. And so I, I put a lot of effort into that one too, and I think that is a, a killer article. So it's something I'm actually very proud of. So let's call you the yeast man from now on, <laughs> Mister Yeasty. <laughs> Mister. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Sounds like yeah, people would be going to that site for a different reason. You're right. And one of the things I want to talk about. Talk uh, to me, before Jason. we before we get into Rogan beer, is the sources of these recipes. For example, this recipe here is from a good friend of mine, uh, John Curtis, JC, we call him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked and worked and worked on perfecting this recipe for the NHC, for the Nationals one that was in uh, Las Vegas. Mm. And he had a much more complex recipe right. and a co- more complex process. Right. And I'll tell you, that beer was fabulous. And they brewed it there at uh, Barley's. And it was, uh, it was great. And so, uh, myself and a couple other people said, you know, dude, can I get awesome this? recipe? Can, can I get the recipe from you? And of course, you know, like any good brewer, it's like, sure, here's the recipe, no problem. He went through the details of why yeah. he had, you know, very, uh, uh, specific, uh, needs and he tried all sorts of different things. Hmm. And if you want that recipe, you're going to have to ask him. There you go. I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, I, what I ended up doing, the recipe that I brew is based off of his recipe, okay. and I simplified it just because I didn't have some of the ingredients he had. I'm lazy, you know, a lot of other things. So it's probably not quite the the, the perfect beer that uh, JC brewed, but it's pretty darn good. And he usually places, uh, you know, in the in the first round of the nationals at least, and and goes on to the second round. Of the- well, how many rye beers are actually entered? Two. Well, it competes with okay. all the other Bavarian uh, German wheat beers. Oh, okay. Anyway, so the recipe sources sometimes. Uh, you know, uh, on a few occasions I've come up with recipes that I pull out of thin air. Uh, you know, I hadn't Make seen any other recipes. I just look at the guidelines. I drink a few commercial examples and I say, okay, here's the recipe. That's the fun part. And that's, and that's pretty rare. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I'll look at, uh, you know, other published works 
I'll look at, you know, magazines and books and see what recipes they have, and I'll come up with my own based on that. Sometimes I'll brew somebody else's recipe that I really like, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, JC's or, uh, you know, uh, one of your recipes or one, so, you know, one of Mike McDowell's recipes. And then I'll say, well, you know, I'd like to adjust it because of my brewing process is different. I'm going to adjust it now that I've tried it. I'm going to, you know, I'll come up with a slightly different recipe. Mm-hmm. And that's, the, you know, the source of a lot of recipes. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, sharing around there. Um, but the fun parts, I mean, making up your own recipe. Oh yeah. Trying other beers and right. using your imagination. Exactly. That's why we brew. But, uh, you know, so, uh, it's interesting, you know, the kinds of sources you get for recipes. And, mm. and one of the, the best sources, I think, is when you've, you've had a great beer brewed by somebody you know, and you go, wow, dude, how'd you do this? Right. This is really good. I really love this, you know, and, and it's, it's taken that kind of being able to share that and have somebody say that to you and being able to share that with them. That's really cool too. Yeah. Learn from others for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So tell us all about, uh, Rogan beer. Well, Rogan beer is either a Hefeweizen or a Dunkelweizen. Um, you take all the wheat out and you replace it all with rye malt. Um, it should smell slightly spicy mixed with, you know, your typical Weizen yeast. You know, you got bananas, you got cloves, some phenolics, some fruity esters coming through. Um, the color impression should be, you know, ambered or brown. It should be cloudy. You know, the rye malt will create cloudiness. Um, you should have a thick head retention and that's from the rye malt and it should, you know, be pretty chunky looking. Um, as far as the flavor is concerned, you know, probably it should be highly carbonated, um, a slight tart edge coming through, a little tangy from the rye malt, from, and a slight acidity, um, and, of course, a little bit of a spicy edge coming through in the palate. So very cloudy wheat, you know, wheat beer. No yeah, wheat beer, but rye you, beer. Yeah. Have you had any examples of this? Well, I had one. Uh, there's a brewery up in Napa, and... I, I never had a rye beer before, and he brought it out to me, and it looked like he just pulled off from the bottom of a conical. You know, it was as cloudy as all could be, and mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, my God, this is going to be horrible. I mean, I, I drank the whole beer. It was malty. It had tart, and I I was just, like, kind of disgusted. But now when I think <laughs> about talking about this beer, like, it was right to style, right. you know? It had that tart, sour edge to it. It was cloudy. Yeah, it shouldn't really be sour. If you're picking up sourness, I think... A lot of times that's a real flaw. Okay. In a, right. in a, in a vice and beer. So maybe I was an off <laughs> A lot of times, you know, yeah. Um, you know, so the yeast can sometimes provide some, you know, acidity there as it lowers the pH and you can get some flavors that maybe go that way, but you know, sour, I don't think it should be. Hmm. You know, that's one of the was, things I would, it was I would, funky. Yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't really be funky. It should yeah. be, you know, I think, uh, you know, when I look at these, the Rogan beer, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, malty, uh, have a soft, you know, full texture, almost creamy. Yeah, I didn't have that. You have a slight spiciness from the, not, not, you know, over the top, but, uh, you know, just a very subtle kind of pepper note in the background from the rye and from the mm-hmm. yeast and the fermentation. And then, you know, you don't want a huge banana. You want a kind of a mild banana and a little bit of fruitiness and, from the yeast. And, uh, you know, not a lot of hops, but enough to, uh, kind of give you a little bit of, uh, you know, a background flavor there. Mm. And fairly balanced beer. Mm. And, uh, you know, when it's done right, I think it's an excellent beer. When it's not done right, not so good. Now, is this beer a session beer? I mean, why would the Germans brew this type of beer? Why would they even think about using rye malt when they had a great Hefeweizen to start with? I mean, what's the... What's the reason uh, behind it? I think it was just you know availability of different grains and, and stuff, just and like it just kind of just kind of stuck, you know. Okay. 
uh, you know, Germany has some dark breads in it. Hmm. Uh, and, rye bread. You know, yeah. done from, yeah. done from rye as well. Right. So, uh, you know, I think that's part of it. Huh. Um, but, uh, you know, in Germany, a session beer is something that's, yeah, well, you know, five percent. plus percent, right. you know, uh, you know, here, you know, in, in England, it's, you know, you're talking about three percent. Right. In America, session beer is seven you know, percent. <laughs> yeah, no. Double IPA or it's, something. It's, it's really become that way, and I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of disgusted with that, but, uh. You're getting hung over too much, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm old, I'm weak, I'm frail, and, you know, those high alcohol beers just kicking my ass. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I love when you get drunk, Jimmo. Like your <laughs> eyes start to smile, and you just look like the happiest guy in the room. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't get drunk. How's that? How oh, I mean, I meant bu- I meant buzzed. I mean, <laughs> when I get slightly happy. <laughs> All right. When we come back from the break, we are going to get into the recipe for a good Rogan beer. Is the Jamil Show? All right, we're back. We're talking about Rogan beers. I've got uh, John Curtis, uh, JC. Uh, JC's uh, based on his recipe here, and I'll tell you one of the things: the, the great brewers, they're always willing to share the recipes. Yeah, you know, those are, they have no problem. The, the people who don't share recipes are the ones that. Really, you know, they're they're having trouble making great right. beers because they're you know they're thinking that's like the only thing they got. You still have to brew it. I mean, yeah, anything could be on paper, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you know they feel that you know that recipe is like the only thing they got, and you know their other beers don't turn out well because they don't have great recipes for the other one. Right. It's well, you know, it's the process. Right. And that's why the other ones aren't turning out so great. And, you know, improve the process and the recipes will, you know, it's 90% process and fermentation and maybe 10% or 5% recipe. Right. So, uh, you know, the recipes are nice, but, uh, you know, you really gotta have the process down. Alright, so we're talking about Rogan beer, which is a German, uh, uh, like a German Hefeweizen with, uh, rye malt. And no wheat. And if, yeah, if you never had one, uh, they're, they're fantastic when they're done well. This for a six gallon batch, is going to have a starting gravity at 1054 or about uh, 13.4 Play-Doh. Uh, you're going to be bittering this to about 18 IBUs based on the Rager formula. Uh, there is no extract version of this because we're using rye. I don't know of a rye extract out there. There yeah. may be one, but I, I, I'm not aware of it. Maybe somebody will let me know if they, they could, have one. You could probably do a mini-mash, right? I mean, yeah, you have to do a mini-mash. But uh, that doesn't change the fact that you will need six and a quarter pounds of rye malt, which is uh, about 2.81 kilograms. You will need three and a half pounds or 1.56 kilos of uh, Munich malt, three pounds of Pilsner, uh, 1.5, 1.35 kilos, uh, one pound of Care Munich, which is uh, 450 grams, and uh, two ounces of Carafa Special 2, which is the Huskless Carafa. Uh, 57 grams. Hmm. And, uh, when you, when you do this, when you, uh, dough in, uh, you may want to, some people, I've been able to do this without any sort of filter material, like, uh, rusk, rice hulls, mm-hmm. uh, because the rye didn't have husks. You need, uh, husks, some people say. 
Uh, I, I didn't have problems doing this with, uh, this is about 45% uh, uh, rye, wow. and I didn't have a problem. But uh, if you do, or if you're worried about it, you can get some uh, rice hulls or something like that. Uh, rinse them out, put about um, pound? Uh, half a pound, half a pound is plenty. Hmm. And, uh, There's a lot of protein in rye then. Because uh, the holes don't don't right. Yeah, the holes don't weigh extreme. anything. So okay, uh, you know, half a pound is is a lot. Okay, you know, it's a quite a quite a bit. Uh, Ten ounces would be plenty. If you use a pound, that's that's a considerable amount. Uh, depends on you know, but if you're brewing a six gallon batch, you need half a pound or so. Uh, mash at 154 degrees uh, Fahrenheit or 68 degrees C. People do uh, step mashes. Mm-hmm. If you want to do a gluten rest uh, or a protein rest, uh, you can do that, certainly do that. Uh, turn out just fine. I think you can do a pretty good job with 154, uh, single. Uh, 68 degrees C uh, single infusion. I've, I've done it that way. It turns out fine. Uh, if you want to do the multi-step with the rye and all that, uh, you certainly can. Would you do the? Would you do a protein rest just to break it down a little bit more? Uh, you certainly can. Okay, and that's it. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Half hour. 131, 15 minutes, uh, 15 minutes and then ramp up. Okay. Uh, works out just fine. Uh, some people like to, to do that, other people don't. Um, I think in a beer like this, in a beer that uh, can be hazy, don't uh, worry about I don't even worry about it. But, um, again, if you got the time and you're not trying to hammer out a bunch of beers, then, uh, you know, definitely you can go ahead and do it. I don't think it'll hurt much in this in this instance. Uh, may help a bit. For hops, I like to use, uh, or JC like to use, uh, Tetanang, uh, for, uh, the bittering. You use, uh, 0.87 ounce or 24 grams, uh, at an alpha acid of 4.9, which gives you about 17.1 IBUs, uh, for 60 minutes of boil. Uh, for a 15 minute addition, give him a little bit of flavor. He was using, uh, a third of an ounce, of saws, check saws, uh, which is about 8 grams, alpha acid of 3%, and giving you about an IBU, and that's at 15 minutes. Huh. And I think, uh, you know, the sauce hops has kind of got a nice little floral, kind of mm-hmm. spicy. Mm-hmm. And Tetanang has kind of a spicy thing going on too, and I think the, the, it complements the rye, exactly. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the reasons you, you know, you, when you're picking your ingredients, you're going to want to go with something that complements some of the other flavors that you're working right. with. And, uh, I think that's, that's critical and key. That's a really good tip, actually, you know. Yeah. You wouldn't go with something like piney. Or cascade. Or, or you know, or, or really fruity. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's just not, not a good match for this sort of thing. Hmm. And I think especially in the German Hefe category, German wheat category, you really go with German, uh, uh, hops or the Czech hops. I think that's really the right flavor uh, profile, even for the bittering. And one of the this things that I noticed, I'm not sure if you've noticed it, John, or not, is the bittering hop that you use. And you, you'll have a, a beer where <clears throat> there's only a bittering addition, only a 60-minute addition. Right. And that's it. And you add that in, and especially if it's a higher IBU beer, right? the flavor... Of that bittering hop comes through in the end. Mm-hmm. You, you from a bittering addition at sixty minutes. And this is one of my pet peeves. I've got a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when 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 you start out, and there's nothing really wrong with this, I guess. When you start out, you're told the hops that you put in, in the beginning 
just give you bitterness. Right. The hops you put in in the middle around 15, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, they just give you flavor. And the hops you put in at the end, they give you hop aroma. Right. Well, it's not quite so simple as that. Sure. I I would just remove the word only from that, and I'd say, okay, your early hops are mainly there for bittering the beer. There'll still be some flavor, though. Exactly. You can get some flavor, and you can get some aroma, too. Especially in a a lighter uh, character beer with a little higher IBU. Those hops will really come through. You'd be surprised at how much they come through. Right. When uh, you add a hop addition around 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes in that, which is traditionally the flavor addition, you're going to primarily see some flavor contributions from that. You're going to get some bittering as well, and you'll get some aroma too. Right. Now, the aroma, you know, is not the same as the latest additions. That has a lot of even lighter oils. The the real light stuff gets boiled off in that fifteen or twenty minutes. Right. And so, but there's still plenty of aroma there. There's other compounds that have aroma that stick around. Right. When you do a real late addition, like you know, right when you turn off the kettle, or you know, a minute or two before, there you're going to get um, an aroma contribution. You will get some bittering as long as you you get the get it hot enough, you know, if you put it in there the last minute, you will get a, a tiny bit of bittering. Maybe some flavor, though, too. You'll get quite a bit of flavor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the flavor will, will get in there, you know, pretty quick and pretty instant, mm-hmm. and you're going to get some aroma. And, you know, that's how the, the, so the hop addition, so it's actually pretty important what you use for bittering. Sure. People say, oh, it doesn't really matter, you know, it's just bittering, and you won't get anything from it. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that's true, but you really want to choose a complimentary bittering hop. This is one of the things I like on the uh, Morebeer site, morebeer.com. Mm-hmm. If you go and look at their hop descriptions, you'll see that a lot of times when they're talking about the bittering hops, they'll say, uh, you know, Magnum, this is a good bittering hop, goes well with, uh, Tetanang, Hallertauer, German, you know, traditional right. styles. Uh, Horizon goes well with, you know, and they'll, they'll give you a, you know, Challenger goes well with East Kent Golding and Fuggles. Right. You know, so there's a, a bittering hop that kind of matches the other hops that you might use in a beer. Right. And I think that's, you know, that would be an excellent chart to put together. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've seen that anywhere. Especially if you're trying to brew the style too, you know. Exactly. It kind of keeps you in that direction. And it, and it really makes a difference. It's very subtle. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, you can, you can make good beers, you know, not doing this, but I think it's you know it's another little thing that makes the beer taste even more authentic and, and much better. Right. And uh, you know, so that's that's one of the keys in choosing that type of bittering hop. So mm-hmm. again, bittering hops has some flavor and aroma impact. Flavor hops have some bittering and aroma impact and flavor, and then aroma hop additions and some flavor have has some flavor and, and a light aroma. and a light bit of bittering, but you know more aroma. aroma. Right. So it's a it's you know it's a sliding scale and you can pick anywhere in there. Mm-hmm. You know one of the interesting things about Promash, yeah, sure, is uh, <laughs> you know if you if you look at the IBUs of an addition, if you mm-hmm. advance it minute by minute, mm-hmm. take a look at the IBUs. You'll see in the from zero to like ten minutes, I think. Every minute, the calculation changes. As you get up into larger increments, and then it goes every five minutes, mm-hmm. the IBUs change. Hmm. And when you get closer down to an hour, it's every ten minutes the IBUs change. Hmm. So the difference between, you well, know, as long. far as calculating in ProMash, the difference right. between, you know, 60 minutes and 70 minutes, or, you know, or 70, 60 minutes and 69 minutes, there's zero difference. Right. But... 
you know, 69 minutes and 70 minutes, there's a difference. Well, the longer you boil, isoacids right. come out. Right, but, uh, you know, the, yeah. the interesting thing is, you know, it's not a smooth gradient in that right. formula. It's, it's chunked up by like, but, you know, block. five minutes, ten minutes, or whatever. So, you know, if you're doing like a 65 minute edition versus a 60 minute edition, there's like no difference as far as the calculation goes. Mm-hmm. But there might be a very subtle difference, uh, in the beer. You know, it's very hard to measure. Right. You know, I think the, the actual measurement, I think it's pretty much as accurate in the fact that here, it's an estimate anyways. Right. So it really doesn't matter. Right. But uh, it's interesting. It's not a continuous uh, thing. So when you see some of these additions, the IBUs don't really change. You know, I, I take a conservative approach. If I'm using a program that's calculating IBUs, um, I would still reduce it by at least 20%. Um, I took a Matt Brindelson's formula for how he calculates IBUs and for Firestone, and then I compared it to beer tools. And beer tools, I would, I would go on the lowest spectrum within the style guidelines according to beer tools. And I found that there was actually about 24% higher than what Firestone would recommend using. It, well, the, it's, it's, it's just interesting though that you have a computer doing these numbers for you. And then if you actually use an algebra equation and you determine, you know, you're trying to get 35% of iso acids into the solution, your well, bitterness. there's several different formulas. Right. And see, the thing is, there's, um, you know, it's, it's based on, you know, the gravity of beer. It's based on, uh, the concentration of the beer as, mm-hmm. it, as it goes. Uh, it's based on the volume of the beer. It's based on the, uh, you know, total bittering that's already in there versus what you're trying to add. There's a huge number of factors that come into play. Do both of those programs do that though? I mean, are uh, they, are for, they for example, for example, in ProMash, uh-huh. you can select a generic um, bittering formula. Uh-huh. You can select Rager. You can select uh, Tinseth. You can select Garrett's. Wow! Uh, so there's you know four different formulas you can use, and they're all going to give you different values. Huh. So it's not that. You so know, how do you choose one? So it's not that the computer's bad, right? I'm just, I'm you, just, you luddite you. I'm not saying that. I'm just. It's that. Uh, it's, how, it's that the formulas are different, and all of them fail at one point or another. If you ask me, okay, they're not. No single one of them is perfect. Well, then, the, so the, you know, on the earlier editions, some of them seem wrong, and the later editions, some of them seem wrong. And based on, uh, you know, getting some IBUs and some beers and saying, well, you know, it just doesn't seem to match, mm-hmm. and none of the formulas seem to match. If you, you know. It's it's an imperfect science, and it's based on so many different factors. Sure. Uh, very hard to control. So I don't think any of those formulas are totally wrong. And, uh, you know, I don't they think any you. of them are completely right. But what it gives you is a benchmark. It's like right. when we talk about mash temperature. Right. On my system, you know, a mash temperature of X gives me this proper character, and that's why I use it. If I want something uh, with more dextrins, yeah. long chains, sugars, I go with a higher mash temperature from that point. If I want something lower, I go with a lower mash temperature yeah. from that point, right. and I know what they are. Right. But your you system's know, different from my system. Exactly. So on your system, yeah. you say, well, when Jamel does 154, I really need 152, or right. I need 156. Right. And I just know to adjust by two degrees anything Jamel gives me. Sure. And you need to kind of make that determination for you. And it's not that you're mashing at the wrong temperature, because it's not the same as mine. Right. It's that the system works a little differently, and... It's not strictly 152. If you measure the mash on these systems, you know, any system, it's a little bit different here or there. You end up, um, it's just a guide point. Sure. It's, it's just, 
uh, a measured, uh, you know, you could call it F. And, you know, instead of F, you need G or you need, uh, you know, E. It doesn't really matter as long as you can. Yeah, and as long as you can repeat it time after time. It's the numbers are there for you to repeat it yourself. So when I use Rager on these formulas, um, I am, uh, coming up with a number Uh that I know this level of bitterness on Rager gives me, you know, the character I want. And if I brew this and it doesn't turn out exactly bitter enough, Mm Ah, okay, so I need to, using the same formula, same, you up it a certain I'll up it, you know, 5 IBUs or 10 sure. IBUs or whatever. Okay, there we go. You know, that should be right. And then I'm dialed in. So you should, you're then... Implying- it doesn't, I don't care, you know, the, the Rager formula could say, you but know, you your definitely- IBUs are XYZ. Sure. I want, uh, you know, WX, you know, and so, or but you I want ABC. Agree, though, you know? that you should brew based on what your system does for you. Exactly. And if you're going to brew that, a, a Rogan right. beer, right. brew it twice, you know, right. and figure you know, it out. Always, always brew the recipes we give you, yeah. uh, once, right. as is, and then adjust from there. You know, base it on experience. Don't just, you know, guess. Mm-hmm. You can kind of take some of it, like the, you know, the mash temperature thing. and Based on taste. Idea. Really? And based on taste. Yeah. And see how it turns out. Right. But, uh, you know, use that to dial in your process as well. And you need to have a repeatable process. Very important. You want to take a break and come back and... And talk about fermentation? Let's do it. Sure. Let's do that. Well, when we come back from this short break, we will uh, talk about uh, what kind of yeast you need to use and fermenting this bad boy. Talking about broken uh, <laughs> beer, John just, just broke uh, my chair. Broke his chair. Son of a yeah, Good, nice, son of a- nice swift move. <laughs> Break down the studio here. Yeah, that's coming out of your paycheck, buddy. What paycheck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, uh, we are talking about Rogan beer, and uh, where we left off was uh, we we're just about to talk about the type of yeast, and the yeast you're going to need for a Rogan beer, same thing you'd use for a German Hefe, which is going to be the WLP 300, and or the Y yeast uh, 3068. Hmm. And do you ferment this cool or do you ferment this hot? Ah, well, here's the key I got from my good friend Harold Gobranson. Uh oh. He told me, when I was having trouble first making wheat beers, he said, well, when you brew a heifer, you need to ferment around 62 degrees Fahrenheit, 17 degrees C. Hmm. And I said, well, that's too low. I don't think the yeast will ferment down there. He goes, oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeast no is crazy. Problem. Yeah, that yeast has no problem at 62 yeah. degrees. And what you get in people, you know, and here's another common, oh, you know, when you brew, when you ferment warmer, you get more banana or more, you know, when you ferment cold, all you get is clove. Yeah. And no, 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 no. Throw that whole thing out. Yeah, the yeast and is going to produce that anyways. Yeah, and, you know, there there's some accounting for it, but... I tried messing around with that, and it and it always turned out wrong. And uh, if you do uh, this beer, the ferment at 62 degrees Fahrenheit, 17 degrees C, what you're going to get is a nice 
balanced, clove, banana, subtle, not over the top, no overwhelming, but present, mm-hmm. and that's where it should be. Okay. And uh, makes a big difference. And I've had people who, when we mentioned this the first time, I mentioned it on, like, on a Sunday show with Dan Gordon. I mentioned it, uh, I think, on one of our shows. And I've had, you know, a lot of people poo-poo that, saying, yeah. oh, no, no, that's that can't be wrong. Right. He's totally mistaken. I've had a few people who've tried it, and they go, oh, my God, you're right. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't right. Harold was right. right. I don't know where Harold got it from or if he figured it out on his own. But he shared that nugget with me, and sure enough, it works. that is a huge difference in um, the the final well, uh, result of the beer. Probably more balanced, colder. Yeah, right? it's, I, I, it's it, hot. That that thing is going nuts. That yeast strain, and it's hot. Right. Well, most ale strains, you're figuring well between sixty five and seventy for yeah. most ale strains, and you know, uh, if it's below that, you know, it's uh, an oddity or a specialty, or right. you know, it's either a hot lager or a really cold ale, and it becomes hybrid. And right. you know, you do uh, Kolsch's down around sixty two or sixty. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, 62 for a, you know, a heffa, which you want all these clovey and banana things, you know, (laughs) couldn't, couldn't possibly be true. Well, sure enough, 62 degrees Fahrenheit. If you take only one thing away from this. Just know that. That is the thing, you know, the, uh, also, uh, it's been suggested that, uh, by, by people at the yeast companies that you sometimes want to underpitch your Bavarian Hefeweizen. I don't really believe in that. And their, their thinking is, well, you want more growth. Right. You want to get more of those flavors out there. If you want to give that a try, sure, go ahead. Uh, you know, you can underpitch a little bit. I think, uh, you know, pitching a single, uh, liquid yeast pack five would be, funny. in five gallons would be underpitching just, uh, a bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe, maybe that turns out a little bit better. Um, you know, I prefer to pitch enough ferment at 62 and, uh, you know, uh, count on the attenuation for a proper amount of yeast pitching. And, How long? Uh, 10, 10 days, 14 days? Yeah, it's usually done, uh, in a week and right. then, uh, you know, I let it go to about 10 days just to, you know, clean up a little bit. And keg her up? Keg her up and, uh, it's quite good. Hmm. It is, uh, yeah, uh, turns out, turns out to be a great beer. So, uh, we did have an interesting question on, uh, uh, come in from the chat room on, on, this style and they wanted to know is there a flavor difference when uh, between using flaked rye and malted rye and there there is a difference uh, flaked rye is non-malted mm-hmm. right that's uh, just like uh, flaked oats right. flaked wheat uh, flaked rice flaked corn they run them through uh, a high pressure roller mill they get heated up and through the getting crushed and steamed and uh and it gelatinizes the uh, grain, so it's ready to be used in a mash. Okay. So uh, this uh, happens to be rye malt and not flaked rye in this. Now, um, you can use flaked rye. Same percentage? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Um, uh, this recipe, and I, I can't recall if JC's original recipe had some flaked rye in it. It mm. might have, or some unmalted rye. Uh, there's another question. Um, what do you think about, uh, crystal rye malt? Uh, crystal rye malt. I don't think I've used crystal rye malt, uh, in anything. I've never even heard of it. I think I may actually have some. Really? Yeah. I, Your forbidden jars, back corner somewhere? Or? Yeah, people, <laughs> people bring me some odd malts here and there, yeah. the stuff that they find, or I, you know, I come across them in my travels, or, I find them online and order them and 
And uh, uh, I haven't tried it, but you know, I bet you, you know, you could go ahead and replace maybe some of the Karamunic with that <laughs> and give that a try. I, I see nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, give this recipe a shot as is, and then uh, you know, go from there and see see what you might try. I think that crystal rye is pretty dark, isn't it? It's, uh, I can't. Re- I can't like recall. dark. But uh, you know, here the Cara Munich would be you know sixty love, and I think uh, you know the crystal rye might be a little lighter than that, or around in that same range. So it might be a good substitute for part of that uh, Cara Munich. Although you're going to lose some of that Munichy uh, character, from right? That. Uh, but still, uh, not a not a bad substitute, I think. Hmm. Should definitely brew both. You know, flaked rye, malted rye. Do both side by side. What do you think? Side by side, blind triangle test. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Well, uh, I think, I think uh, you know, there's a, a good opportunity there. And if I can uh, dig up uh, JC's original recipe, I'll, I'll take a look at that. Yeah. And see. Are you going to post that, or going to put yours up? Uh, you know, we would go with this recipe. Okay. You know, we try and go with the recipe for the show. Hmm. But, do you enjoy uh, drinking rye beer? I mean, do you like the uh, style? I mean, you were done. You were in Germany too. I mean, how were they there? Well, I'll tell you, I, I love every beer style. Sure. I, you know, people, uh, you know, everybody has, you know, some, some style that they hate. Mm-hmm. And really what it tends to be is, uh, you know, a style that's just brewed very poorly. Right. So a lot of my exposure early on was to, uh, uh home brewed, uh, high alcohol Belgians. Mm. And I learned to hate Belgians, you know, I'm like, I won't, I don't want to judge that category. Right. You know, that's like a headache in a bottle. It's like, you know, driving a nail through my forehead. <laughs> you know, no thank you. You know, these are terrible. Yeah. And a lot of them still are. Mm-hmm. But people are coming around and learning. And once you, you have some of the, the good examples and the well-made examples of Belgian beers, they're fantastic. And it's not the, you know, nail through the forehead. It's not a headache in a bottle. It's a good beer. It's a great beer. <laughs> right. And and anything when it's well made is very drinkable. I had a really nice Lambic the uh, other night and uh, had this really nice apple character to it and you know all these different things going on, a kind of an earthy uh, tone to it. I was like, "Wow, this is really fantastic." Who brewed it? And then uh I can't recall off the top of my head. Or no, it was commercial brewer. Commercial brewer. And uh Later on, I was doing some research and I stumbled across somebody talking about how they hated, uh, Berliner Weiss, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like a stanky, nasty beer. And I tell you, done right. It's an excellent beer. Yeah. You know, they're, they're all, they're, there's a reason why these, these beers have been consumed by people for 800 years. Right. You know, it's not because it's a, you know, a crappy beer. Because when it's done right, it's really good. So, I think, uh, you know, finding and everything's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But I, I haven't come across a beer style when, when brewed, uh, uh, properly and by a skilled brewer. Um, you know, it's a fantastic thing. I always, I love every style. So rye beers included. And I think, you know, a good rye beer, the rye it has a certain uh, spicy character that kind of cuts through some of the, uh, you know, s- other sweetness and adds a, not, not, not intense enough to cut, but, uh, kind of a balancing kind of character. Mm. 
goes really well with the uh, the Heffa character, the clove banana from the uh, Bavarian Heffa. Right. Uh, you know, match that up with some some malty undertones from the Munich malt, and right? From the you know the crystal grains and things like that, and the Pilsner malt. And it's really just quite a magical thing. You know, it turns out really great. Now, could someone brew a Rogan beer in, let's say you didn't like that much spiciness, that cloviness, could you use an American Hefe's, reduce the rye malt maybe 20, 30%, or put wheat in it instead? So you don't want that much rye flavor coming through? Would, yeah, I mean, would it still be the style or? Uh, no, it wouldn't. Okay. Uh, there is an American rye style. Uh-huh. So uh, it's it's uh, combined with the American wheat style. Oh, okay. So if you look under category, uh, 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 it's the light uh, light hybrids or you know, Amer- you know American. Or it's uh, it's in the light category. It's, okay. uh, it's along with. Uh, Let's uh, look it I up. I think it's, I think it's along with Kolsch yeah. or something. Yeah. And uh American wheat and American rye is one category. Mm. And uh you know, something like you're describing can certainly fit in that. Okay. And that would that would be the case. The American wheat yeast, those tend to be a Kolsch or an alt yeast. Okay. Uh Widmere uses a yeast they got from uh uh a Dusseldorf uh, uh alt producer. And uh that's you know what uh is used for those American wheats. Mm. And you know, for the longest time I used uh Cal Ale yeast trying to reproduce that, and yeah, you can't. can't you you got to use the Kolsch or the alt yeast, and then uh, you know you can make a darker version, and you could put some rye in it. And you can substitute uh, all rye or partial rye, and I think you know what you're describing would be a nice American uh, rye beer. Yeah, sounds so, good. You know, without the the banana clove and and minimizing some of the uh, rye character a little bit. Hmm. Okay, we got a couple more questions. Uh, one was something we were kind of talking about earlier. Uh, they said uh, you know. You're told you can't detect over 100 IBUs, you know, give or take. Uh, you know, that the IBUs are the same, whether it's, or, well, not detect, but, well, it, detect is difficult, but they say you can't actually isomerize any more alpha acids into the wort than, uh, 100 IBUs worth. Right. And some people say it's a little higher, so people say it's a little lower, but the measurements aren't, aren't that great either, so. But you could get more hop flavor in a beer, couldn't you? By right. adding more hops? Well, that's that. Am I wasting hops for flavor and aroma by adding them, you know, to this, you know, um, reach 100, like when we did the Imperial IPA show. Uh-huh. One of the things in Imperial IPAs, yeah, you, you, you're gonna, you do like 275 IBUs. Right. You know, calculated IBUs. You're only getting about 100 IBUs in the beer, but there's a lot of flavor and texture and resiny and a lot of these characters that come along with those additional hops. So it's certainly not a waste. Mm-hmm. You're getting, you know, you're, you're, in my opinion, aroma you're really getting your, your money's worth from those hops because <laughs> yeah. you're adding flavor, a lot of flavor and aroma. They're not adding any bitterness, but, you know, who cares about bitterness yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that point? You know, you're you're getting plenty of your money's worth, so it's well worth doing. It's not a waste, and uh, you know, it's important for that for certain styles of beer. Okay. I would not I would not hesitate on that. Where can you find light chocolate malt? Well, this is interesting because in my recipes, when I first picked up this malt, uh, I picked it up at some brew shop, small brew shop in uh, in San Antonio, uh, uh, on San Antonio, Los Altos, California. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I can't think of the name of them right now. Fermentation Frenzy. Fermentation Frenzy, yeah. Great people down there. And they were trying to get in all these different malts, and I'd stop by and pick up different things. And one of them they had was this pale chocolate. It's mm-hmm. called pale chocolate, and it's 200 Lovabon. And I typed it into ProMash because there was no entry for it as light chocolate. Mm. And so all my recipes go out with light chocolate in and people are looking for light chocolate and having trouble finding light chocolate. It's actually pale chocolate. <laughs> it's actually pale okay. chocolate. Uh, there's actually now uh, several maltsters, I guess, or supply groups that carry it now. Mm-hmm. We carry it. Uh, and, well, and, uh, you know, and a lot of the homebrew shops now are carrying it. Mm. I think we've... Tastes great. They had actually uh, stopped making it. I start. I bought. I picked some up. I loved it. Started using it, and then they canceled it. And they said they weren't going to make it anymore. Oh no! And there was just then they were going to only sell. Then they were only going to sell it to uh, commercial brewers, and it wasn't going to be available for homebrew. And there was some struggle getting it. Now, uh, pretty much most of the shops have it, but you can find it at uh, morebeer.com. Wow. Uh, Pale chocolate. Uh, it's great stuff. It's I use it in a lot of different beers because it adds, um, you know, a certain. Uh, toastiness mm-hmm. along with a slight chocolate. It's that, not that uh, astringent nice. either. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's about half the color of uh, regular chocolate malt, mm-hmm. and really makes a big difference in, in what you what you use. So uh, I tend to use it in uh, a number of beers. You use it in a Rogan beer, in fact, mm-hmm. for coloring. Uh, yeah, you certainly could. In this case, uh, craft special. I think when I made a Rogan before, I was using uh, pale chocolate. I think in my Dunkel. Uh, vice, I think I use uh, pale chocolate probably. Mm. You know, it's one of those things uh, adds a little bit of you know character and, and flavor to it. Do you want to okay. recap the recipe? Yes, I do. All right, so we're making a, a German uh, Rogan beer, which is uh, uh, the original source uh, for the recipe was uh, John Curtis or JC, and uh, this is. Uh, Starting gravity at 1054, about 13.4 Plato. You're gonna, you're targeting 18 IBUs using the Rager formula. That is six and a quarter pounds or 2.8 kilos of rye malt, three and a half pounds or 1.6 kilo, 1.6 kilos of Munich malt, three pounds, uh, 1.35 kilos of Pilsner, one pound or 450 grams of Caramunic. Uh, 60 love, and uh, 2 ounces or 57 grams of carafa special to the huskless carafa. Mm. You don't want to use the husk carafa because it's going to give you too much of a roasty flavor in there. You might need to add a little bit of uh, natural filter material like rice hulls, mm. you know, a half pound to help uh, in case uh, prevent any stuck mashes. On the hops for bittering addition, the early edition, 60 minutes, tetanang, uh, 0.87 ounce or 24 grams. And for uh, the late edition, 15-minute edition, later edition, we're using uh, about a third of an ounce or eight grams of Czech sauce to give you a little bit of flavor in there. For the uh, yeast, you're going to use uh, WLP 300 or the Y yeast uh, 3068. Ferment at 62 degrees Fahrenheit, 17 degrees C. Uh, take probably about 10 days to 14 days until done. Carbonate, drink, enjoy. A uh, wonderful beer. Drink and enjoy. Okay. So the next show coming up, uh, right after this, you can hear a repeat of uh, 
last night's Sunday show, which is uh, done in Napa, downtown Joe's. Matter of fact, uh, a week from now, the 18th, Sunday, Sunday night, I'm going to be there. Napa, downtown Joe's. Come on down. Come on down. Come, come see yeah. me. Come uh, make fun of uh, me while I do the uh, help do the Sunday show. And eat his fries. That's right. And the uh, 24th of February is going to be uh, the AHA rally at uh, Sierra Nevada up in Chico. If you get an opportunity, go up there, uh, become an AHA member, get in for free, mm-hmm. and uh, well worth it. A great place. And our next show is? Uh, Icebox. Icebox. All right. See you two weeks. Good show. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. Jamil Show has been a production of the Brewing Network. Please send questions for Jamil to Jamil at thebrewingnetwork.com. The Jamil Show airs live every other Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Brewing Network.